Well, good morning and welcome to a short service of thanksgiving for VA Day. There will be uh, a little bit of prayer and a lot of readings, and uh, I want to open, therefore, with a brief prayer. Father in heaven, as we commemorate VA Day, which now was 75 years ago, we thank you for all those who gave so much during the war in Europe, remembering men and women of so many nations who fought for freedom. Let us always cherish what they gave us. Amen. On my bookshelves I have a number of published diaries and uh, because we're celebrating a particular date it's been possible to look up what different people in different places were writing on the 8th of May 1945 and I'm going to read a few of these to you now to give you a flavour of the time. Our first extract actually comes from the diaries of Vera Hodgson and I'm going to start with what she said on May the 7th. She began, The war is over. They say tomorrow is VE Day and that Mr Churchill will speak at 3pm and the King at 9pm. And so it all ends and the long nightmare I have recorded in these pages is finished at last. All we can say is thank God. I can now go to St Paul's or the Abbey, represent dear Auntie Nell and give thanks for all the family in different parts of the world for this great deliverance. I'm now going to give you a relatively lengthy extract from the diary of Harold Nicholson, writing again about the 8th of May 1945. The normality continued in the morning. I attended a meeting of the Institut Francais and lunched at the beefsteak. By that time, things began to liven up. There was some cheering in the streets and crowds in Leicester Square. But when I had finished my luncheon, I found a very different scene. The whole of Trafalgar Square and Whitehall was packed with people. Somebody had made a corner in rosettes, flags, streamers, paper, whisks and above all paper caps. The latter were of the comic variety. And through this cheerful but not exuberant crowd I pushed my way to the House of Commons. The last few yards were very difficult as the crowd was packed against the railings. I tore my trousers in trying to squeeze past a stranded car. But at length the police saw me and backed a horse into the crowd, making a gap through which, amid cheers, I was squirted into Palace Yard. There I paused to recover myself, and seeing that it was approaching the hour of 3pm, I decided to remain there and hear Winston's broadcast, which was to be relayed through loudspeakers. As Big Ben struck three, there was an extraordinary hush over the assembled multitude. And then came Winston's voice. He was short and effective, merely announcing that unconditional surrender had been signed and naming the signatories. The evildoers, he intoned, now lay prostrate before us. The crowd gasped at this phrase. Advance Britannia, he shouted at the end, and there followed the last post, and God save the king, which all sang very loud indeed. And then, cheer, Upon cheer. A number of people mention the fact that it rained the night before. Vera Hodgson again 
Today we have been celebrating thunderstorm in the night. No one slept much for excitement, but the sun shone warm and it has been a glorious day. Chips Channon, the famous diarist, also mentions the weather. Early this morning, too, I was awakened by the rain, intense Wagnerian rain, which lasted for a long time. The noise brought back as nothing else could that September night of 1939. There was, as you might expect, a, a quite a lot of lunching. Of Vera Hodgson again, we sauntered down to the river and ate our lunch above the temple stairs near the discovery, carefree after so many years of anxiety. Then along to Westminster and Whitehall. We stood in Parliament Street. What a squash! The buses scraped within an inch of us, and the horses of the mounted police rubbed their flanks against us. James Lee Milne. This is V.E.V. -E day at last. I got home at 9.30. Had a bath and changed. At midday, went to Bridget's flat, and with her and Anne to lunch with John Sutro at Driver's. We were joined by Oliver Messel and a quiet mystery man of about fifty. We ate oysters and lobsters and drank sweet champagne, then returned to hear Churchill's speech at three o'clock. And Duff Cooper, who was in Paris at the time. Wonderful weather, very hot. After lunch we listened to Winston declaring the end of the war. My eyes were full of tears. We dined at Maxim's. We went upstairs after dinner, and it was very amusing to watch the vast happy crowds. They danced downstairs. Of course, Winston's speech was much anticipated in the House of Commons. Here's Chips Channon. At the House, questions lasted interminably, and there was an atmosphere of expectancy in the crowded chamber. Every seat was occupied. The ambassadors were all present, peers queued up. At three o'clock in the Whips room, I heard the PM make the official announcement over the wireless that the war in Europe was at an end. I then returned to the chamber. But owing to the ovation Winston was having in the streets, he was delayed, and for a few embarrassed minutes we had nothing to do. Members, amused, asked desultory questions, keeping their eyes on the door behind the Speaker's chair. The Sergeant-at-Arms was in court dress. The Speaker wore his robes with gold braid, although I've never seen this done before. At last, Winston, smiling and bent, appeared and had a tremendous reception. Everyone rose and cheered and waved handkerchiefs and order papers. Winston smiled and half bowed, as he often does, and turning towards the Speaker read out the same short announcement of the surrender of Germany, which he had already given over the wireless. The House was profoundly moved and gave him another great cheer. Harold Nicholson records the same moment, with the same observation of Winston's slight bow, and he concludes in this way. When he had finished reading, he put his manuscript aside, and with wide gestures thanked and blessed the House for all its noble support of him throughout these years. Then he proposed, that this House do now attend at the Church of St Margaret's Westminster, to give humble and reverent thanks to Almighty God for our deliverance from the threat of German domination. The motion was carried, and the sergeant-at-arms put the mace on his shoulder, and following the speaker, we all strode out. 
Through the central lobby we streamed, through St Stephen's Chapel and out into the sunshine of Parliament Square. We entered St Margaret's by the west door, which was furthest away from us, and that meant a long, sinuous procession through a lane kept open for us through the crowd. The service itself was very short and simple and beautifully sung. Winston, writing of the day himself in his great history of the Second World War, includes a letter which he wrote to President Truman on the 9th of May in uh, reply to a telegram of congratulation which he had received the day before. Your message is cherished by the British nation and will be regarded as if it were a battle honour by all His Majesty's armed forces of all the races in all the lands. Particularly will this be true throughout the great armies which have fought together in France and Germany under General of the Army Eisenhower and in Italy under Field Marshal Alexander. In all theatres the men of our two countries were brothers in arms and this was also true in the air, on the oceans and in the narrow seas. In all our victorious armies in Europe we have fought as one. Looking at the staffs of General Eisenhower and Field Marshal Alexander, anyone would suppose that they were the organisation of one country, and certainly a band of men with one high purpose. Field Marshal Montgomery's 21st Army Group, with its gallant Canadian Army, has played its part both in our glorious landing last June and in all the battles which it has thought, either as the hinge on which supreme operations turned, or in guarding the northern flank, or advancing northward at the climax. All were together, heart and soul. I leave the conclusion of the day to Vera Hodgson and her family. Precisely at 3pm, Big Ben's chimes told us the moment was about to begin. All traffic stopped. The mounted policeman wiped the sweat from his brow. All was still. How wonderful to be standing in Whitehall in the shadow of the House of Commons, listening to that voice which had steered us from our darkest hours to the daylight of deliverance. No words can express what we owe him. He mentioned the Channel Islands to tremendous cheers. Kit was thrilled that they should be especially mentioned on such an occasion. She has not heard from her father for eleven months. By now we were exhausted with heat and standing. Heaps of people on bicycles. There was a tandem, mother, father and baby. Spectators were horrified at the position of this tiny mite with a great bus towering above it, but the baby didn't worry. We reached Downing Street with a great effort, but I could no more. We heard, heard him speak. The tube at Trafalgar Square was impossible of entrance, so we walked along Pall Mall. Cars passed us with people riding on the hoods and the bonnets. Everyone was just letting themselves go. We were glad to get to the flat for a cup of tea. In the evening... We had our own party. We were quite a United Nations. A Russian, a Swiss, a Channel Islander, a Scott-cum-Welsh and me. A true blue English Midlander. We had ersatz champagne, tinned grapefruit, salad, tongue, tin of crayfish and a plum pudding. All of us had been saving up these viands for a long time. All beautifully prepared by Mrs Cameron. It was Baryshnikov's garden flat, which is bigger than mine. We had lovely coffee. And then he produced his pièce de résistance, some 1898 port, or some such date. We drank numerous toasts, 
Churchill, Stalin, Auntie Nell, Kit's father in Guernsey. And then the men drank to us. So this VE day for us here in the Burnham Benefice and the surrounding villages is particularly poignant. When I listen to those diaries, I feel that we somehow are just stuck, we, on the 6th or the 7th of May. And it is good to listen to the joy which erupted on the 8th and to remember that the people in those days overcame the adversities. They saved up their little bit of food for special celebration. They saved up their words to thank those who most needed to be thanked. And we all look forward, us, to our day when we can come away from lockdown, when we have finished with the problems of the coronavirus and we too can have a day of celebration and more importantly perhaps, a day of thanksgiving. Amen. So today, VE Day 2020, uh, we are flying flags at both Burnham Market and Burnham Thorpe. And bells will be rung at St Clement's Overy at three o'clock this afternoon. I wish to conclude with a blessing. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.